Asseyez-vous, jambes croisées et mains posées sur les genoux en maintenant vos bras bien droits. Inspirez et retenez votre respiration en incurvant votre colonne vertébrale vers l'arrière et vers l'avant aussi souvent que vous le pouvez avant d'expirer. Uh, why am I making you listen to a beautiful lady teaching yoga in French? Well, if yoga is a road towards peace, then teaching English has been a door towards living in France for many expats. For some, it's a gateway to another profession or lifestyle, whereas for others, it's their destiny. I came to France and ventured on a similar journey to many other expats in the region. Married to a Frenchman, I began teaching English as I didn't speak French and definitely wasn't a yoga master either. <laughs> For this episode, I wanted to dig further into the industry of language learning, which attracts so many companies and native speakers from around the world. I have the opportunity to present to you a special interviewee today who has valuable insight from the perspective of teacher, student, as well as company structure when it comes to building a life around English. I speak with David Milne, the service manager of Wall Street English in Aix-en-Provence since the company first established their presence in the city. This interview is a great listen to both teachers and students who would like to explore teaching English in the region some more. So have a listen. Hello and bienvenue listeners. Welcome to Shine in Provence. I'm your host, Crudy, and you have arrived at the place where you get to hear me speak with those who have taken the leap to move to the south of France, whether for work, love, school, retirement, or sheer madness. I ask them frankly how they not only survive, but shine here in Provence. And guess what? It's all in English. Ne quittez pas. Thank you so much for taking the time with me and having this interview with me today. Yeah, you're welcome, Kruti. It's a pleasure to be here uh, on Shine in Provence. Uh, it sounds like a very interesting project and a good radio station. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, so if we can kick things right off um, for our listeners, can you briefly introduce yourself? So my name is David Milne. Uh, I'm Scottish and I live uh, near Aix-en-Provence. And I've been in France since 1999, uh, and the majority of the time has been teaching English. And what moved you to Provence? Why did you move here? Oh, it was one of these sort of things that it just uh, came about, really. We had, uh, I was a social worker in Scotland for 13 years, and uh, my wife Hazel had been doing a degree course and that came to an end. Uh, I had the possibility of a sabbatical for a year. So we decided that we were going to come down to Provence and, and uh, spend a, uh, you know six months at least learning English. And then at that point, um, you know, we decided to, to stay after a while. You know, we didn't, um, yeah, what up? <laughs> so that, that's what brought us here and that's, that's how it all happened. And then when you moved here, after those, I guess, the first six months, mm -hmm. did you try looking for a job? Like, what 
what got you to decide that, you know what, we're going to stay and I'm going to teach? Did you start right away at Wall Street English? How did you begin? Well, it just sort of happened um, that we were, when we made the decision that we were going to stay, we started to look for work and sort of how are we going to negotiate the, the different sort of platforms of where can we look for work, what can we do? And English just seemed like the natural opportunity because it was difficult to get work as a social worker because I didn't have the correct qualifications that they wanted here in France. We didn't speak French very well <laughs> at the time. So, so yeah, basically it would be the, the, the natural kind of uh, progression was let's teach English. And we started to look for some English teaching platforms and places, looking in the local press. And we eventually came across a, an ad looking for English teachers working for uh, Loem, the football team in Marseille, um, through a private <laughs> company that was looking, had the contract. So we applied and we both were interviewed and we got the jobs and, and we started off there. And then after a while, the work there wasn't very it wasn't very regular the the hours weren't regular enough to make it a kind of viable thing and then when the company called wall street english opened in the south of france i applied for the job as a service manager and been there ever since so <laughs> voila mm. wow i had never known that in fact you started teaching english to footballers <laughs> well it, it wasn't actually footballers funnily enough it was the admin the people who sold the things in the shops or the tickets and they had had a lot of difficulty with the um, language barrier when they were in the international championships so uh, they really needed to get their admin team up to scratch uh, with english and that's that's how it came about really yeah Wow, that is impressive. Um, so, in fact, you started teaching Wall Street, um, you started, well, working at Wall Street English in X since it began. Yeah, yeah, it was, well, funnily enough, it actually started, the first school in the south of France uh, opened in Marseille, and uh, I worked for nine months in Marseille, but because I lived quite far away from Marseille, it was a long, long travel every day by car. Uh, with all the, the traffic jams and whatnot. And when they opened the, the school in Aix-en-Provence, I applied for a transfer and I moved there. And yeah, so it's been since Wall Street's uh, expanded in France because before it was mainly in Paris. And then in 2020-21, they started to expand into the Provence, wow. uh, Provon uh, provincial areas outside Paris. And, and that's when... So I was in the right place at the right time, as they say, yeah. <laughs> It's, I think that's always destiny. Mm. Um, speaking of which, since you've been there really from the start, mm -hmm. you yourself moved here kind of with this idea in mind of like living here and to use English as a way of, I guess, transitioning or, or mm. really be a way of living for you. Mm -hmm. The other teachers that you have seen, I guess, come and go within your own center here in, at mm -hmm. um, Aix-en-Provence, for them, what have you noticed usually? Do they move here really? Is it the same kind of motivation? They just want to live in France and then teaching English is a way of just providing that way of living? Or is it also the um, perhaps another sense where they are already teaching English and they want to do that in France because it gives them another perspective? 
Um, it generally is that they they're here and they're just they're looking for work. That they've been maybe a lot of the people that have worked with us have been generally married to somebody who's French, uh, and that's the reason they moved into the area. And that and in terms of looking for work, it seemed that you know like a natural progression. If they already had some academic ability, that they would sort of maybe do a. A, a teaching of English as a foreign language course and then apply for a job in uh, an English school. We have had a few people over time that have been kind of transient, as it were. They've come down and they're, they're going to be around for a year or so and they've done some work with us, but then they've moved on to other places. Um, but yeah, the, the, I suppose the, the, the kind of hardcore, as it were, of teaching staff are ones that have got some sort of um, roots in Provence. Mm -hmm through marriage or partnerships, etc. <laughs> I mean, I think that's exactly also my case. <laughs> when I came mm -hmm. and I worked with you, my husband was French and mm -hmm. um, it was kind of the same, I guess, state. What kind of takeaways have you, I guess, taken from the fact that the ones who are teaching English, do they end up staying also a long time in France or are there like difficult challenges that they face so that perhaps they want to move to another field? It's, it depends. Uh, there are a number of people who came to work in, in Wall Street X who are still working as English teachers, but in different places. There's a, uh, somebody moved off down to uh, Montpellier. There's another girl moved up to Bordeaux, Grenoble. Um, one of our recent teachers, he's now working in Lyon. Um, so they, they, there seems to be this French connection, as it were, that they want to remain in France somewhere. And uh, And once they've got into English teaching, it's uh, even with with Wall Street as a um, a resource, it's, it, there's about 62-65 centers in France. So once you've worked for one Wall Street, if another Wall Street's looking for staff, you've got the experience, you know the under the method, etc. So it's quite easy to move. Some people have gone back to the UK um, before Brexit. There was a few people moved back for various reasons. Um, Uh, and now it's it's mainly we're getting Americans, Australians applying um, because they don't have this, they, you know, the, 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 the issue of Brexit has, has meant that people aren't moving from the UK here as much as they once did. Mm. Oh. So that's the sense I get. And, and people, I think, once they get into teaching English, they enjoy it. You're never going to be a millionaire by doing it, but, you know, it, it pays uh, its way. And it's it's fun. It's uh, interactive, and if you enjoy working with people, it, it's it can be a good it can be good uh, um, job prospect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. I think it's quite rewarding. Mm. Um, like you said, you're not going to be a millionaire, but it can be rewarding, which is. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, okay, for I guess Wall Street itself, um, how is it that you? decide to hire the teachers? Is it usually they because they've got experience, perhaps with teaching or with the method? Mm -hmm. Or is it just because they're native speakers? And is the difference also important for the school? Yeah, I mean, we, we tend to, well, when I'm, if, if I have a work available and I'm going to be recruiting, I'm looking for a CV that somebody has got a TEFL qualification or a CELTA, so they've got a teaching of an of English as a foreign language uh, qualification. So that's the first box that I want to see ticked. Then after that experience, if they've worked in other schools, if they've worked for Wall Street before, that's another benefit and a bonus. But certainly if they've got experience, 
Um, basically, the other thing, they have to be fairly local uh, and preferably mobile with a car if possible because we do work off-site a little bit. Um, so they're the kind of things that I look for on a CV when I'm going to try and recruit a new teacher. But it really depends on when uh, the work um, picks up and we have more work or we start to recruit and basically as people send CVs at different times of the year and I keep hold of them for a while and get back in touch as and when posts become available. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and finally, I guess, what kind of advice would you give to perhaps other people who want, who are keen to move to Provence and are thinking perhaps I can teach English as a means of living or just as a transition, whether um, no matter which is their intention, what advice would you give to them? The first thing is if you're wanting to work for a, a school in France, now you really, you have to be qualified. You have to have done a TEFL qualification because the schools that recruit are now very much focused on, on a system called the CPF where um, the financing of the, the tra English training is, is through people's CPF account. And for that to happen, a centre has to be registered with Calliope and the Calliope say that all teachers must be qualified. So yes, that's imperative. They, they should get themselves trained up. You can do um, courses online, etc., uh, etc. Et and then, yeah, just um, try and get some experience, even if you've been teaching locally, kids and, you know, after school, that sort of thing. You know, it's always a good way to start. Um, yeah, so, but qualification is, is very much uh, primordial. They have to get that under their belt first. And what about the local then, perhaps the local um, kind of area that you are, I guess, teaching in Wall Street English is teaching in meaning in France. Why perhaps is English, is teaching English such a big factor here? How come it pulls so many people in and there is a whole industry around it in France? Right. Well, I think it's it's the unfortunately, like many education systems, uh, learning English in schools isn't very effective. People can go through five, six years at school of English and come out with the ability to maybe read, but they can't speak because the classes aren't focused on that. Then when they move into employment, they're finding that there's uh, many, many companies in France are now owned by foreign uh, subsidiaries, they're subsidiaries of foreign companies, many of which can be German, they can be British, American, and the common language at that level is English. The, the, if they're going into meetings, if they're dealing with emails, they're dealing with suppliers, they're dealing with things like that, then it's, it's the English is, is the... It's like the Microsoft for the brain. You know, Microsoft runs on your many computers and people have to be able to work with it. Um, and English is the same. It's like a computer program for the brain. It helps you uh, integrate into, um, into work. And the other thing is that in Provence, the tourist industry is big. The majority of tourists who come, they speak English at certain levels, whether they be Dutch, German, Swiss, uh, Brits, Australians, etc., and then there's big industries in the in the tech industry around sort of Fouvel Rousse, uh, Eurocopter, which is a a big client uh, who who basically see English as imperative for anyone who works there. 
So then what is it perhaps with Wall Street English that is different and actually helps these people be able to finally speak and not just read, not to be passive English speakers, but mm-hmm. really active English speakers? Well, Wall Street's a method that's been in existence for over 50 years. It was uh, an Italian guy called Peccinini who invented the method because he wanted to speak English, but he, he found it hard to do so. So he came up with the idea of using <clears throat> uh, blended learning, which is a a process where the the student uh, does a lot of work online uh, at the moment. It used to be with cassettes, but that's now in the dim and distant past. But they they work online. They have so many hours of self-study and then they have the contact with the teacher. So it blends the the two mediums of self-study and teacher-led classes. The online component is uh, is orally led, so they're listening, they're watching videos, they're repeating uh, um, the words that are spoken in the videos. The video is like a TV series. It was shot in uh, Los Angeles. Um, Wall Street is present uh, in 27 countries worldwide now, so it's got a huge um, resource of uh, material that they use, and they have their own method that's... Um, um, copyrighted to Wall Street and it's effective it works uh, I've been there 21 years at Wall Street X or Wall Street Marseille and the reason is it's a pleasure to see people progressing that have tried to learn English for many years but never succeeded they come to Wall Street they follow the method which is important <laughs> it's not a it's not a, a magic uh, wand that we have but if they follow the method they follow our advice they're going to advance they're going to learn and that's what they want. And they want to be able to sit in a meeting with uh, a German counterpart and the common language is English and understand what's being said, reply and operate in that, that environment. Uh, so that's what Wall Street brings to the table. It brings a, a method that's uh, widely used, effective and has good results. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely vouch for that as well. Well, thank you so much, David, for your time and for having this interview with me. Okay, Christy. Well, all the best. And I hope the sun shines in Provence for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so too. (laughs) As you've heard, Provence is more than just a place for wine and dine. But hold up. It's still got all that and more. It's time for... What's happening, Provence? Find out what events are happening in and around your region. Beginning with the Côte d'Azur, this time the unique Lemon Festival requires 145 tons of citrus fruit to celebrate, well, what else? Lemons! A literal take on when life gives you lemons. (laughs) Take a break and head off to Menton anytime between 11th February to the 26th all around the city. Also near the Côte d'Azur, mimosas are in splendor and taking some of the action away from the lemons. Parades, processions, singing and dancing, this joyous event signals the end of winter in the south of France. Celebrated at, forgive me for my pronunciation, Mandelieu La Napule from 8 to 12th February. Turning towards the port, Marseille is hosting a Japan Expo Festival at the Parc Chano, celebrating all things Japanese, from food to video games and anime, to all those that are fascinated or simply curious with the Japanese culture. Taking place from the 24th to 26th February, tickets are available on Ticketmaster or finexspectacle.com. And with that, thank you for listening with me. 
If you missed some parts of this episode and would like to hear it again, you can find this show and more interviews on the radio's website, as well as your favorite podcast channels, YouTube, and www.shineandprovence.com. Don't forget to subscribe. Catch me again same time next month. Aviantu. Inspirez à nouveau et répétez l'exercice. Continuez pendant 3 à 4 minutes. Ensuite, détendez-vous et savourez le moment. I understand.